This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Harut Markarian, and this is Mobility and Inclusion, the show where we share the powerful stories of people with disabilities and daring entrepreneurs making waves in our world. From technological innovations to best practices in business, we'll learn what it really means to live in an inclusive and universally designed environment. Welcome to a new episode of Mobility and Inclusion. I am your host, Harut Markarian, and my guest today is the retired colonel of U.S. Air Force, Brian Searcy. Brian is the co-founder and president of the Paradise Group. His vision is to redefine how safety is learned to make schools, churches, the workplace, and our communities as safe as possible. Following a decorated senior leadership career in the United States Air Force, as a commander and combat veteran, Brian transitioned into executive roles as a business entrepreneur, writer, publisher, and public speaker. Brian co-founded the Paradise Group with the objective of using his decades-tested and proven leadership and training experience to solve a need for relevant, effective, trustworthy principles, training methodologies, and programs to allow for the learning of situational awareness. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Harut, for having me. I love, love being on these on podcasts like this and, and video podcasts like this. It's, it's great to have you. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. First and foremost, I want to thank you for your service. And um, the, you've, you are the co-founder of the Paradise Group, and the, the Paradise Group was founded in 2019. Uh, so what drove you to get involved and get going with the Paradise Group? Yeah, I actually got into the safety arena about four years ago. Um, when I retired from the Air Force in 2010, I went to work for a defense contractor like a lot of se- retired senior leaders. Did not really enjoy that. Sales was not my my forte. Business development was not my forte. Did a number of other things for the next three or four years, uh, helping my wife build her commercial screen printing business was probably the, the biggest thing I really worked on there, during that time period. Um, started a company uh, to teach personal skills to young boys and girls um, and to high school students. Uh, but that was cut short when my co-founder of the company ended up taking his life. And that was actually something that drove into um, my desire with what I do now with the, with the Paradis Group. Uh, not long after he took his life, about like I said, about four years ago, I got in the safety area. And like a, most companies that are in this space, they're just trying to teach how to respond to an active shooter situation. Became very... Uh, well-versed in how that works. We expanded what normal training that companies do, which is about a half hour to 45 minutes of scenarios. Ours were four hours long. 
because we realize that we really can't prepare anybody for what's actually going to be happening. We've got to give them the opportunity to experience what stress is like and, and to see as many different scenarios as possible. But even with that, I came to understand that anything that we do to train somebody to respond really isn't giving them the ability to respond because we have no idea what the actual scenario is going to be like, number one. Number two, we're not empowering them to have thought through what they're capable of doing. Because I saw over and over and over again in those trainings that we could tell somebody what to do, but if they didn't have the personality and the skills to do it, then when the situation happened, they just became paralyzed because they weren't able to do it. So it's important to teach them how to be able to respond. So I put together a program to prevent active shooter, not to teach them how to respond, but to prevent active shooter through the learning of situation awareness. In 2019, I really then wanted to focus on not just active shooter. The guys that I was with are, are still doing great stuff, but they just wanted to focus on the active shooter response. I really wanted to focus on situational awareness and prevention. And it became clear to me at that time, I had an epiphany moment, moment which goes back to my example of the co-founder of the other company I was with who committed suicide. He had said a number of things that somebody with my level of situation awareness and my background, I've been trained in suicide prevention. I should have seen those things and I didn't. So I took some time to, again, refocus on situation awareness, how that process needs to work and how we need to work to be able to prevent things from happening. And like I said, it was about that time because I thought of the suicide piece that while active shooter is a, is a tragic thing that happens, we face so many other threats in our communities and our schools and our businesses every day from bullying to cyber to suicide to human trafficking to sexual assault. The list can go on, but all of these can be prevented if people just learn this basic skill and then take time to practice it, develop, developing habits, behaviors, and mindsets. That's the why I founded the Paradis Group with the focus to be situation awareness and the prevention of all of these bad things that continue to get worse. Yeah, it's, I think it's uh, it's interesting that you mentioned preventing or then prevention because we nowadays we don't really focus on prevention. We kind of focus on responding after the fact, right? right. Uh, and uh, how, in your experience, what's what is, what is it like when you approach maybe I want to say younger individuals? Uh, how is there situational awareness. How, how aware are, are they? Well, I'll give you a statistic from the Harvard Business Review that says less than one in seven people today actually have situation awareness. So that's about opposite of what it was about 40 years ago when about six or seven people out of 10 situation awareness. So it's very, very scary. And then you can probably come up with your own examples, but I go out to the grocery store, I go to the restaurant, I do. I pay attention to what's going on. I see people walking in and out of the grocery store on their phones, not paying attention. Absolutely no situation awareness. I go into restaurants and entire families are sitting at the table and they're on their phones. They don't have any situation awareness. The thing is, situation awareness is a gift that we all have. People don't know that, don't know what it is. They don't know how to trust it and they don't know how to use it to be able to prevent things from happening. Because situational awareness doesn't just help us deal with the threats that are out there. It also helps us be great parents, be great leaders. Without situational awareness, you can't do either one of those things. And it also gives us the ability as friends and neighbors to, because we can develop personal empathy 
and caring and being perceptive gives us the ability to look out for each other. The focus of the Paradis Group is to teach situational awareness so individuals can learn to take responsibility for their own safety, but so that collectively we can all work together to take responsibility for the safety of our communities. Yeah, that's a, that's a scary statistic, less than one in seven, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was gonna ask who's, I was kind of gonna ask who's responsible for, for uh, the downward trend 40 years ago till now, right? But then I don't, I don't believe in, in blaming others, no matter what the situation is, you ultimately are responsible for your decisions, right? Well, your, your, your well-being ultimately. So um, what do you say to that? Yeah, so there's, there's two pieces that I talked to. About maybe a little over 40 years ago, um, in the late 1960s, early 90s, we had a generation that really just cared about themselves, wanted to have fun. I'm, I'm sure you've those times. I actually experienced those times. Um, they turned into parents and they never learned pers their personal skills before they became parents. Yeah. So if you don't have a skill, you can't teach your kids. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So what started happening is kids became parents. They never learned personal skills so, and situation awareness. So they weren't able to, to communicate that to their kids. Then parents started expecting schools to teach situation awareness and personal skills to their kids, not the job of teachers. And then it went to where colleges were supposed to do it. And now it's gotten to the point where businesses are having to do it because these kids are coming out of college without situation awareness and without the 10 critical skills that they need to be successful. So that's kind of how we got here. But I really want to applaud you for what you really identified. I hear all the time from business leaders or people in the community about how millennials and Generation Z are lazy, right? They don't want to work. This is all that they care about. Well, that might be true, but whose fault is it that they believe that? And it's because parents haven't given them the necessary skills to take responsibility for their own actions, to take responsibility for their own safety, to have these 10 critical skills well-developed so that they can be members of the community. So instead of complaining about it, let's go back and like you said, or active shooter training is dealing with the symptoms, it's dealing with the, with the response. Let's go back to the beginning and provide people the skills that they need to solve the problem. And that's how we're actually gonna have all these threats that are on the rise hopefully start to go back down or start to go down. Yep, yep. Uh, no, that's, that's a good point. Um, in, in, in your website, I, I saw somewhere you, you guys mentioned that um, organizations are 80% safer just by learning situational awareness. Now that's 80% safer. I mean, 80%, it's a, it's a big number. Uh, but well, explain to us how are how they're 80% safer just by having situational awareness? Well, we believe they're 80% safer based on the analytics that we had, that the people that work there have learned situation awareness and now have a process in place where they're not keeping doors open, where they're not letting people um, um, hijack in if you have a secure facility, um, where you have people that don't click on a malicious email just because there's a link there that they want to go to, which opens them up to cyber attacks. So it's, that's based on the, 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 the feedback that we've gotten based on how situationally aware people have become after going through our 90-day program. Yeah. But if you think about it, I've 
not only have those analytics, I've gone to businesses and schools that have taken our program. And when I've been able to, prior to learning situation awareness, I've always been able to, to successfully get in that building or get in that business. And once in it, I usually can walk around however I want. With, when they learn situation awareness, when they learn a process, when they develop the 10 critical skills, one of which is being perceptive, being able to see those things that give you that hair on the back of the neck or that gut feeling that something isn't right, and, and but because you've also learned this process, you know what to do about it. Now they don't open the door at the kitchen or they don't let people hi- hitchhike into the building. Or if somebody's supposed to have a badge in a high school to be able to walk around from one area to another, if a teacher walks up on that person and they don't have a badge, now they, they've thought through how they would address that. Because prior to that, like I said, I've walked through schools and businesses where I'm supposed to have a lanyard with a badge or a name tag. People don't even pay attention. They don't even notice it. So it's learning that process and developing the habits and the behaviors that that's what makes every, everything more safe. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's amazing you say, because I've been, I've been with companies that provide us with many uh, trainings, right? To be, uh, well, they didn't call it situational awareness, uh, but they addressed it as, uh, okay, you're not allowed. If you're, you're not wearing a certain badge and you don't, if, uh, you're not doing specific things, you're not allowed into the bending and don't allow this person or that person, but they don't address it as situational awareness, which might be, in my opinion, at least, it might be a more uh, efficient way of approaching the situation. If you label it as situational awareness versus, oh, you're not allowed to do this, right? Because you need to understand why and what's the, what's the uh, I mean, what's the benefits of doing it and what's the harm that can cause if you don't do it? Right. So what you're going through is traditional type training where you're getting do's and don'ts. You're getting maybe a couple ideas of what not to do. You're checking a box. It's compliance training, really. You're basically the business, the organization, the school, the church. They have compliance things that they have to do to, pr- to protect themselves, but they're not establishing habits and behaviors. They're not empowering people to use that. That's where our training is different because it takes 21 days to establish a new habit and 90 days to establish a new behavior. So our micro e-learning program lasts a minimum of 90 days so that you have the ability for you to personally learn your own situational awareness, habits, behaviors, mindset, and processes so that you can take maybe that great, that good training that is pointing out the things for, to look for, but you have not been empowered to use it. That's for one. number two, there's a thing called the forgetting curve. That means if I have a traditional type training and I've been giving all these great things that I'm supposed to look out for, if it's not reinforced in some manner within a week, I will forget 95% of what was there, number one. And then number two, I'm not empowered to do anything about it. So we have to get past Einstein's definition of insanity, which is beating our head against the wall because we've been doing the same thing over and over again for over 53 years and change the way we look at this to learn this critical skill so that we can work on preventing it. Then if you get that annual training on suicide prevention or what's going on with human trafficking or safety in the workplace or how to prevent abuse, that training then folds into the habits and behaviors that you've already learned. Now you know to look for it and you're now empowered to do something about it. That's one of the missions at the Paradis Group is to change that paradigm of traditional training where I just have to get, you know, training once a year and now I'm an expert at it. No, we have to learn situation awareness so we can work to prevent things from happening and empower that training. 
That's, that's, that's great. I think you, uh, I was going to ask you what sets you apart from other trainings that are out there. And I think you answered it perfectly, uh, which I completely agree myself going through a lot of training, a lot of similar trainings. Uh, and uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're all good trainings and they all provide some type of benefit, but to your point about the forgetting curve, the for, for forgetting curve and, and how long it'll, it'll take to establish a habit, uh, all that has to do, because my mind goes back to, okay, we're giving you all these trainings. Ultimately, it's up to the person to continue, right? To, to do what he's taught. And I think what you're saying and what you're doing with the Paradise Group will bring the person to a place where now it's embedded into their habits to uh, perform what they have taught. And uh, that, that's, that is great because I don't see a lot of company really addressing the, the, the habit situation because you know everybody forgets after, after a limited period of time. I mean, a lot of trainings I did, I'm not talking about myself. I do some trainings, it will take me an hour to finish. Five minutes later, I forgot it, you know? Right. Cause you're just, you, you just want to get through it. You don't necessarily want to learn anything about it. Exactly. They're you know, not empowering we, me in another way. Right. You know, they're just giving me a bunch of rules to follow. Well, and, and those rules, most of the time are probably going to end up paralyzing you because if they tell you what you're supposed to do in a certain situation, but you don't have the capability to do that. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to be paralyzed and you're not going to do anything. And that's what often happens. Right. Um, it, the other thing that sets us apart is the fact that we talk about all the threats that I mentioned earlier, right? There's companies that do situational awareness training, but they do the traditional type training. And then if they add any of the main threats to it, it's active shooter. Well, most people today, their attitude is hope is a strategy and that's not going to happen to me. And if you think about statistically, will you be involved in an active shooter scenario in your lifetime? The chances are probably no. Now there was a shooting in Miami just yesterday where a young man um, had to save the life of his baby because somebody who was high on mushrooms pointed a gun at his baby and he protected that baby with his life. Um, so those things happen. Sometimes you, if you have situation awareness, maybe that would have been preventable, maybe not, but at, at least he knew what he was going to do and, and protected his baby in that situation. But with the Paradis group, because we teach all of the threats that are out there, we usually get one degree of separation. So when I'll sit and I'll do a, a keynote presentation or a lunch and learn about what the, the Paradis group does. And I'll ask how many of you have ever been in an active shooter situation. And if there's two or 300 people in the room, maybe one or two people will raise their hand. Right. I've never been in one. So, so, but if I, if I ask this question, so how many of you have been bullied or know somebody that's been bullied? How many of you know somebody that's been sexually harassed? How many of you know somebody that, thought of committing suicide or committed suicide? Um, how many of you know somebody that had on their phone or on their email and either unsuccessful or somebody successfully was able to use a cyber attack on them? And everybody's hand goes up, right? You've probably, one of those things, you know somebody either personally in your family or within one degree of separation that that has happened. Now it becomes personal because it has actually happened to somebody that you know now this learning of the situation awareness is something that you take seriously because it's not just to deal with that, you know, one in a hundred thousand or one and a half, half a million chance of an active shooter. It's you actually know somebody that had that happen to them. 
and uh, yeah, I think that's that that makes the whole uh, whole lot of difference. Uh, being personally involved and or knowing someone who was involved in a specific situation, and that's I think I think you're doing a great great job. Not that you're waiting for my for my consent for what you're doing, but I think I mean you don't you don't hear stuff like this every day, and our schools are failing uh, miserably when it comes to developing the situational awareness our colleges are i mean I, I can't even say they're failing because in order to fail they need to teach it first right it's actually not it's not their, it at this point well it's not their responsibility so you know the learning and development of situation awareness as, as as well as the 10 critical skills that we teach are really the responsibility of parents yeah. Um, but because that hasn't been happening, that's why we've seen the decline in, in this critical skill situation awareness. That's why the, the need for our program isn't just for parents. We've got to give the high school and college students this skill so they can start learning it so they can be productive in our society. We've, if they're already in business and they're not being successful or they don't have these skills, we need to have an opportunity to introduce these skills so they can develop their habits, behaviors and mindsets. We have a workforce today that is, has mental health issues, that has stress and anxiety issues, which causes loss of productivity. That all goes because of lack of preparedness. It goes because they haven't developed these 10 critical skills and because they're oftentimes afraid. And when people are afraid, they get paralyzed. They don't do the work that they need to do. Um, that loss of productivity is also because of cell phones that everybody has. Um, I'm not sure if you've studied that at all, but it, if you take two to three minutes to answer a Facebook post or a text or something that came in on your phone, you actually lose between three to four times that in your productivity. So if you spend five minutes on your phone, which if you ever have conversations with people about using their phone in the workplace, they go, yeah, I'm only on it for a minute or two. Well, they get a text, they respond, they respond, they respond, and it turns into three to five minutes. And because they really don't have a good sense of what time is during that, it turns out to be five minutes. Yeah, yeah. But you lose about 15 minutes of productivity when that happens, because it takes you about, like I said, three times the amount of time you are away from the task for you to refocus and get back to the same level that you were working on before you were distracted. I can personally relate to that and uh, forget about and I'm not I'm not a big uh, social media person, meaning like I don't interact with people on social media, even though I have all social media just for business purposes. But even when I'm not responding to someone, there's no give and take between me and someone else on Facebook, Instagram or wherever that may be. What you said about refocusing on your tasks that's a huge portion of the, of the time that you're losing there. And I, I see it on myself today. You know, sometimes I look something that probably can't be beneficial to the business I'm doing, but it takes me off track. And to refocus on the task that I was doing, it's probably 20 minutes. And I just looked at it for two, three minutes. Yeah. And we're, we're actually really starting to see because especially with the divisiveness that we're seeing in our country today, when people get on Facebook for two to three minutes or, you know, Instagram or whatever, and they see something that they really don't agree with, you know, I don't, yeah. you know, whether you're a proponent of mass or uh, somebody that doesn't want mass, or you want, you want vaccinations, or you don't want vaccinations. What is becoming, what is happening now when people are getting in, into this social media is they get angry. So it's not, it's not just the loss of productivity. 
Now they come out of that exchange that they had on Facebook or in a text or that they saw on Instagram and their whole mindset has changed. They had gone from somebody that came into work with a great attitude. And now because they're angry about something that they saw on social media, that is going to, to affect their productivity. It's going to affect how they interact with other people, but that's all part of situation awareness. One of the, the 10 critical skills that we teach in situation in our programs is self being self-aware. So the first one is knowing what's going on around you and you have to be perceptive to be able to do that. The second part of situation awareness though, is knowing what you're capable of and knowing what's going on in these conversations is extremely important because when you come out of that, then the third part of being self-aware is knowing that your words and your actions and your behavior have impact in your conversations, in your work, in your relationships. So if you come out of a Facebook post and you're all angry and you have to go have a meeting with your boss, guarantee you it's going to affect how you're going to, you know, behave in that meeting. Emotion is going to be the number one thing that you're going to respond with and not a rational type thinking if you hadn't had that interaction, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, no, I, I cannot agree with you more, but, uh, and I don't think these topics uh, well, first of all, I don't think situational awareness is linked to as many of the uh, things that you have discussed, like like bullying, like uh, 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 cyber threats. You're right. When when they talk about situational awareness, they fail to uh, mention how many aspects of your life is affected by just situational awareness. How how many aspects of your life is affected by by you having a good situational awareness and you know, I don't think it is, I think it's misrepresented in a lot of ways. Uh, or not, maybe not misrepresented, but it's not a holistic approach like you just described right now. Right. Uh, also, it is not talked about enough. Uh, I mean, as you were talking, I was, I, I, I could have identified probably 10 examples off the top of my head about every single a description that you gave from bullying to cybersecurity to active shooting to um, right to get, getting someone in the door of your of your organization. I'm like I had one example at least of each one, but I'm like, where do you see people talking about this? You you don't you rarely do, and it's a big problem in our society, uh, especially nowadays with all the all the you know quote unquote diversity that is going on. Uh, and they're trying to direct people in the wrong direction and the wrong path down the wrong path in a lot of cases. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, we are desperately in need of situational awareness. Um, well, you can't and, be a good, you can't be a good parent and you can't be a good leader if you don't have situational awareness. Um, situational awareness gives you the ability to look for those things that are potential threats to your kids or potential threats to your organization. Situational awareness gives you the ability to develop the skills to be a leader, to be a parent. Um, being able to actively listen is a lost art today. That's why it's one of the 10, 10 critical skills we teach. We teach how to de-escalate situations. And we teach through the learning of our programs how you don't lecture, how you empower other people to learn and develop the skills that are going to be effective for them. You know, so parents, we all have a stress level, right? And within that stress level, we, as long as we don't exceed that stress level, we usually do okay. 
once we get out of that stress level, that's when the bad things happen. Well, the way most, not most, many leaders and a lot of parents deal with things today is they have this stress level and their kids are behaving badly, behaving badly, behaving badly, and boom, it got above that stress level. Now they're going to get involved. Instead of the first time that happened, that behavior happened, they have a corrective behavior, not punishment, but a corrective behavior. This, how come you're doing that? Let's, let's do this instead, right? I have a perfect example I use all the time right now because I have a 10-month-old puppy, right? Uh, my 10-month-old puppy will get uh, you know, in his mind that I'm going to chew on this blanket or I'm going to go get dad's shoe or I'm going to do this. I don't go up and whack the puppy. I don't wait until he's torn the shoe in half. Hopefully my situation awareness is good enough that I, I see him getting ready to go do that. And instead of that, I go, Hey, let's go for a walk or let's play with this ball. So I'm working on establishing the behavior that I want him to have. Yeah. Um, and you can't do that without situation awareness. You can't do that without identifying those learning opportunities. That's awesome. That's, uh, and that's exactly what every parent should do, really. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're not a puppy whacker. <laughs> uh, and uh, no, because I, 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 I love dogs and uh, I've, had, I've, I've grown up with dogs and, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm guilty of whacking my puppy, the, the first one at least that I had. And I, I got so frustrated with him. You know, I didn't address it the first time, the second time. It's like, you know, you talked about the stress level. And I'm like, yeah, I gave it a nudge, right? And, uh, and after I did that, I got, I got so, I felt so bad that I'm like, like, he doesn't know any better, you know? And I'm not showing him what to do. So why am I really, you know, taking it on him when I'm not, I'm, I'm failing on my part, right? Well, that so, goes back to what I said a little while ago about how, you know, people get upset about the young people today because they're, they behave a certain way or they don't have certain skills. It's not necessarily because they didn't want those skills or aren't good at those skills. It's nobody trained them and empower them to learn those skills and to develop those skills. Right. It's really easy to sit down and give somebody for you to be an effective communicator. This is what you need to do. Right. Well, two things are wrong with that. The first one is the individual based on their personality may or may not be able to follow what you just said, as far as communicating, if they're an introvert and you're trying to turn them into an extrovert, that's not going to work. Right. So they have to figure that out from themselves. That's, and that's the start of the second part in order for you to learn to communicate, you have to practice, right? It's just like de-escalation. I talked about the divisiveness in our country today. People don't have humility. People want to be right. So one person says something, another person says something, they're opposite, voices raised, people bow their chests, and nobody de-escalates the situation. But nobody has learned how to do that. And there are techniques that you can use to de-escalate situations, all situations, well, most situations, so they don't turn into something that's confrontational. Um, but you have to have humility. You have to practice those skills. And unfortunately, it's not something that people do. Absolutely. I know that. It's great that you mentioned humility. Humility was the word that you mentioned during our first meeting when we met first time. Uh, and it's often misunderstood. Why don't you give us a good understanding of what humility is and how, how, how can it empower you once you understand really what humility is? Right. So I, when I talk about humility, I talk about it from two areas. The first one is, and it's part of also being self-aware of who you are, 
there are things that I'm not an expert at. There are, I get <laughs> less today than 30 years ago, but I'll go through a day and I'll make mistakes. The goal is to know that I'm not perfect and I make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes and then not repeat those mistakes. Um, we have two or three generations of people that got a trophy for everything. They never did anything wrong. It was the teacher's fault. It wasn't the kid's fault. So they never ta were taught humility, never learned the fact that they can be wrong. Um, so they are, don't have that skill, right? Um, the second part of humility is um, the fact that um, as I learn, is humility is with great power comes great responsibility, right? So I know people that carry weapons. Uh, I'll be honest, I carry a weapon. And with that great power comes great responsibility. It's not meant to solve a problem like that shooting and like numbers of shootings that we've seen where people have gotten in arguments because they were losing the argument or just wanted to end it. They pull out a weapon and they use that weapon. It may not be a gun. It may be a knife. It may be a baseball bat, right? Um, or it may be their hands. I have enough humility that I don't have to win an argument, especially if it's getting to a point where it's going to really get out of hand and I'll walk away. I don't have to win that argument. Right. Um, years ago, when both sides were able to communicate, we were able to keep out of a, a lot of arguments or fights with the lack of personal skills that are out there with the lack of situation awareness and the divisiveness that's going on. If people don't start learning these skills learn how to de-escalate situations, learn that it's okay for everybody else to have a different perspective than yours. And that's fine. That's what this country is all about. But then to have the humility to be able to de-escalate and back out of a situation. If we don't start learning that as a, as a nation, we're going to be in potentially in big trouble. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was, I was going to ask you to address the diversity that you were mentioning so many times in this podcast, but you already did. So, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to thank you for your time. It was really great having you on the show and uh, thank you for all the valuable uh, knowledge that you gave us. Um, well, thanks for having me get in touch with you. Yeah. So thanks for having me on. Um, anybody that watches this is it's part of Harut's community here. I'd be happy to be a keynote speaker or do a lunch and learn uh, for, for your school, your church, your business, your community. Um, the goal of the Paradis Group is to educate the need for this critical skill and then empower people how they learn it. And whether it's a Paradis Group program or a different program, the goal is to, like I said, learn and develop these skills. And uh, they can reach me by email at brian at paradis.group. And they can even call me 940-231-3195. Great, great. So there you have it. Please reach out if you, uh, if, if you or your organization, community, uh, need a keynote speaker, Brian has gracefully agreed to be a key, your keynote speaker. So don't, uh, don't hesitate to reach out and uh, always have developed your situational awareness. Go to parents group and check out their programs. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.